Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We're In Social Work. Most have heard of our winters here in western New York, but without them, what we have now is not possible. Springtime, drastically different sun angles and shadows, a city of trees with green and bright colors, songbirds returning, rebirth. I'm Peter Sabota, and happy spring from Buffalo. In this episode, Dr. Nikki Wooten describes her study of the gender differences in substance use a year before Army service members deploy. Using her own service history and that of her family members, Dr. Wooten explains the roots of her interest in the topic and the population. She describes the findings of her current work and future directions related to the unique needs of women in our military, especially as they play an ever-increasing role in our armed services. Nikki Wooten, Ph.D., is assistant professor at the University of South Carolina College of Social Work. Her research interests include military service and deployment stressors, post-deployment, substance use, psychological problems, and behavioral health utilization in military and veteran populations. She is a major promotable in the District of Columbia Army National Guard and has been either in the Army Reserve or National Guard for over 24 years. In addition, she has been an enlisted soldier and is currently an officer. Dr. Wooten was interviewed by our own Dr. Tom Nahinsky, himself a proud Marine Corps veteran and research professor here at the UB School of Social Work. This is Tom Nahinsky from the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. I'm here today talking with Dr. Nikki Wooten from the University at South Carolina College of Social Work. And we are going to be discussing a study she has done with women Army service members in terms of gender differences in substance use treatment in the year prior to deployment. Dr. Wooten, welcome. Thank you. Why don't we start talking about your study, and why don't you kind of say a few things in terms of how you became interested in research with military personnel? I became interested as a result of my own personal military experiences as well as the experiences of members in my family. I have a number of family members who are also in the military, Vietnam vet to current war vet. Most recently, my brother did tours in Afghanistan, and I have a aunt who did three tours in Iraq in the current wars. And as my own experience, right after 9-11, I left my civilian job and went home and packed up my military gear and put on my uniform and actually went to the armory in response to the attacks after September 11th. And as a company commander, I saw the number of my own soldiers who were deploying and also experienced the high operations tempo and began to realize the effects it was having on me as an individual as well as my soldiers and their families and how these extended separations and these multiple deployments were having an effect on individuals and their families. And that's primarily how I became interested. And also I saw members of my family and, and how they experienced um, the war, the high operations tempo of the war, and also how members of my family responded to the absences as well. Those are really interesting points, and I'm thinking that they will end up leading you in a lot of different 
places in terms of your research, the multiple deployments is certainly an interesting facet to this. That's something that we haven't experienced in past wars. So that's an interesting observation that we may need to pay attention to. So in terms of your research on the early identification of substance use and psychological problems in women Army veterans, why don't you tell us about that project and what you hope to find? This study is based on a cohort of service members, all Army service members, who returned from either Iraq or Afghanistan deployments or, or deployments related to operations in Doran Freedom, Iraqi Freedom, and Operation New Dawn. The deployment had to end in fiscal year 2010, and that's how they were included in the cohort for this study. And as a result, we went back 365 days and identified the deployment at end in fiscal year 2010 as, as the index deployment, and we looked at the 365 days before that in terms of the prior year, the pre-deployment year, and we wanted to look at whether gender differences in substance use treatment utilization for just prior to deployment. Now, some members of the cohort also had prior deployments. They had multiple deployments, and we controlled for that in the study. But we wanted to look at whether or not they received any type of treatment for substance use in the year prior to deployment. Okay. Let me take a step back, and again, for some of our listeners who may need some clarification about what you mean by deployment and pre-deployment, could you just kind of help us define that? Okay. For the current study, deployment was defined any deployment six months or more to the current wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then the pre-deployment year was like the 365 days before the deployment that ended in fiscal year 2010. Okay, thank you. So let's move on to your findings. You did indicate to me that this is Department of Defense data. Yes. How was that data collected from these individuals? Actually, this is administrative. This is medical claims data. This is TRICARE is the military health care system data. So we have two data sponsors for Dr. Williams and Dr. Diana Jeffrey, who was a co-author on the poster presentation I did. But they are our data sponsors from TRICARE management activity. So this is military health system data. And so it includes medical claims and medical encounters data. We also linked it to DEERS data, which is the demographic data for military service members, and also the deployment data. So, like, the number of deployments, how many times they deployed, we also have access to that data, and it's all de-identified data. And we linked all these Department of Defense databases together to create these data sets together to create this data set for the study. The larger study, for which uh, Mayor Joe Larson is the PI, is funded by the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and the larger study looks at the cohort that returned from the war in physical year 2008 from physical year 2011, and that's almost 700,000 Army service members. The current study that I'm going to be talking about today just looks at the cohort from fiscal year 2010. Okay, thank you. Let me ask you now in terms of what have you found with regard to the Army service members around the issues you're looking at? As a part of the study, the dependent variables of interest was substance use diagnosis in the military as well as substance use treatment utilization in the military. And because gender was our independent variable of interest, we found that there were gender disparities or gender differences in substance use diagnosis as well as substance use 
treatment utilization in the year prior to deployment in this cohort of service members who returned from the war in fiscal year 2010. It also makes us think about whether or not women have unmet treatment needs, more unmet substance use treatment needs than men, or whether or not this is just maybe an unanticipated consequence of some of the current policies in the Department of Defense regarding the substance use policy and how people are identified with substance use problems. Let me ask you something related to that in terms of the treatment process for the women. You mentioned that you found some differences. What specifically were those differences that you found? Were men more likely to be in treatment or women? Men were more likely to receive military-provided substance use treatment utilization, which is very similar to what you find in civilian population. What makes this study unique is the fact that we're we're dealing with a high-risk, vulnerable population in terms of everyone in the study has deployed at least once in the current war, and the men in the study were more likely than the women to have deployed multiple times. And let me ask you another question. Since these are individuals who are still in the service, still active in the military, is that correct? Yes. What is your kind of thoughts around the issue of the types of treatment they may receive within the context of the military? As you indicated previously, women may have different needs and do not see those needs as being met by military treatment for substance use. For example, the issue of the types of trauma they may experience, especially considering potential sexual trauma. Is that possibly one of the issues that you're going to be looking at in the future? Yes, because one of the limitations of this study is that we use medical claims data, which is administrative data and objective data versus self-report data, which if we had self-report data, we probably could have looked at military sexual trauma as an indicator as to whether or not there was an association between substance use diagnosis and substance use treatment. But one of the things I also think is important regarding this study is the fact that the way the Army substance abuse program is administered, oftentimes individuals are identified with substance use problems as a result of alcohol-related incidences, for instance, driving while under the influence, engaging in aggressive behavior, and so we surmise it's possible that women may be less likely than men to engage in this externalizing behavior as a result of high-risk drinking or heavy drinking, whereas men may be more likely to engage in these externalizing behaviors. So it could be a problem of identification, how people are identified with substance use problem, and then how they are referred to treatment. That could be one of the reasons why we found gender differences. And we also surmise that this could possibly be an unanticipated consequence of the Army Substance Abuse Program because we know it's been fairly recent that women have taken on a larger role in the military. Currently, they perform over 90% of military occupations. And so maybe it could be just an unanticipated consequence of a policy that's been in effect for a number of years. So given that, what kinds of deployment experiences were unique to the women veterans? In terms of deployment experiences, we didn't look at the different characteristics of deployment experiences. We looked at the length of deployment and the number of deployments. So men were more likely to have longer deployments and to have been deployed multiple times compared to women in the study. And 
That's also consistent with the finding of the Armed Forces uh, Health Surveillance Center. They also found that, that women were more likely to have only been on one deployment. And that could have been for a number of reasons, because in our current study, we also find that women are more likely to have been involved in mental health treatment, although they were least likely to have received substance use treatment. Okay. Do you see these unique kinds of experiences for the women as potentially posing greater risk for substance use and mental health problems for the women than they would for the men? I think it is possible that military women's unique experiences may increase their risk for substance use in ways that differ than men because women in military are more likely to experience military sexual trauma. They also have to deal with the fact that they are in a male-dominated military organization that values to a great deal masculinity and also the fact that until recently women were not allowed to participate in the combat specialties, which also can limit their mobility in terms of the career progression in the military. Also the fact that there's a male-dominated organization, I mean, women may be challenged, their leadership may be challenged more in the military, not only by their subordinates, but by their peers who are also in other leadership positions as well. And those are a number of things that can result in occupational stressors in the military that may be similar or different than what women experience in civilian occupations. I'm wondering also about some of the pre-deployment issues, for instance, children, families, spouses, etc. Do you have the ability to look at those types of things as well to see what the impact may be on subsequent substance use or treatment? Well, in the current study, in the bivariate analysis, I also looked at single-parent status. Men were more likely to have been married with children. Women in the study were more likely to have been single parents than men. So I did take that into consideration and also the, the issue of pregnancy and motherhood and, and just being a caretaker in general for other family members may also be a unique experience for women in the military. Seeing that as potentially being unique, especially within the context of what you mentioned in terms of the masculine nature of the military culture, that type of role, again, may add stress, do you feel, to these individuals' lives? Yes, I do feel, because you think about if you're a woman in the military, you're a mother, and you may be caregiver for other members of your family, then those are multiple roles that in some instances may have may be conflicting. In addition to if you are, women are part of a very family, that is, the uh, both partners, both spouses are in the military, that also is another role conflict for women in the military in terms of being a member of the organization, but also being a spouse in the organization. For the most part, the military expects that you're going to give 110% to the military mission, regardless of what it is. So it's a unique position for the women, especially now with their expanded roles. Let me ask you one other thing, and we're going to be talking now about potential future plans here for your research. In terms of what direction do you see yourself going with the research you're currently doing and potentially what you're going to be doing in the future around this issue of deployment and not just pre-deployment but potentially post-deployment health and uh, looking at some of the issues that we spoke of, the sexual trauma you know, issue, the single parent issue, the caretaker issue, all of those things in terms of women vets? As a result of this study, 
I'm currently involved in a study where I'm going to look at mental health treatment utilization in just the cohort of women from the current study on substance use treatment. The study that we're discussing today, I'm going to look at just the women, which is 14,633 women were in the substance use treatment study. So I'm just going to look at that cohort of women and look at the substance mental health treatment utilization in this group of women, particularly because they were more likely to have mental health treatment utilization. And based on the findings of the current study, the substance use treatment study, I'm wondering if women are receiving some substance use treatment as a part of their mental health treatment. So that's something I'm going to be looking for, but also still looking at the pre-deployment year. But in terms of the larger study, I'm also looking at women who return from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan between fiscal year 08 and fiscal year 2011, looking at their alcohol use overall, looking at in terms of the chronicity of the alcohol use, because we also have the post-deployment health assessment and the post-deployment health reassessment. So we're going to look at the levels of alcohol use and alcohol-related problems among women in the military who deploy it. Let me ask you, in terms of other drugs besides alcohol, what other types of drugs do you have information on? I'm also interested in prescription drug misuse, particularly prescription opioids. And I'm also interested in process of developing a study using these data to look at prescription opioid use and chronic pain in the cohort of service members who are returning the part of the Army service members. So we are particularly interested in prescription opioid use and chronic pain. That's non-cancer chronic pain, particularly since this war is also not only is it characterized by multiple deployment, but it has over a 90% survival rate for serious injuries. And so as a result, the Department of Defense has become more concerned about prescription opioid use and prescription painkillers and the misuse of those prescriptions. So I'm very interested in that as a problem as well. And as a part of the larger study, we also have access to the urinalysis data from Army Service Center. And all of this is the identified data. Good. I was wondering about the issue of drugs because, again, one of the things that we have noticed is that women who have experienced types of trauma, sometimes alcohol is not the preference. What they tend to look for are things like cocaine, crack, those types of drugs, rather than alcohol. So I just was curious if if you were potentially looking at those types of things and with the urinalysis, you should be able to pick that up. Well, one of the things about the Department of Defense Substance Abuse Program is that if you look at the Heft-Related Behavior Survey, the use of illicit drugs in the military is very, very low. We're talking about 3% and below. So the Department of Defense Substance Abuse Program, it's effective. It does what it's intended to do in terms of identifying service members who have problems with substances. So that overall, the policy is effective. But I also think one of the problems with women in terms of using other types of substances is that they're more likely to get mental health treatment is the use of psychotropic drugs as well. So under that umbrella of prescription drug use and misuse, we're also going to look at not only prescription opioids, but also psychotropic medications as well. Okay. And I have one kind of final question here, and, and again, this has been in the news, and that is the high rates of suicide of individuals who are in the military. Is that part of this data set? Do you have suicide attempts at all as part of this in the mental health issue? We do intend to look at, we do have a variable related to suicidal attempts 
and behaviors that would be consistent with the suicidal ideation. So we are able to look at that as an outcome. And we're also looking at attrition as another variable. I am also conducting a study where I am collecting data from military women about their military sexual trauma experiences, open-ended questions, and conducting qualitative interviews with women using Skype about their military and deployment experiences. Uh, I'd be really interested in what you find with that study. Some of the qualitative data, even the open-ended questions from the SurveyMonkey survey, as well as the qualitative data from the interviews, indicate a large theme of military sexual trauma. Not only women experiencing it, but them witnessing it, and also being a part of bringing people forward to report and experiencing reprisal as a result. And we've had some women who are still in country who have answered the survey and who have participated in a qualitative interview. Either they were still in Iraq or Afghanistan, we had women in Korea as well, or women who have just returned from the deployment. We're talking about within like three to six months of returning who've also agreed to be interviewed. But we have probably almost 200 women who have answered the survey and about 125 of those have answered the open-ended questions. And the very benign open-ended questions of what are your positive experiences as a result of your military deployment experiences and what are your negative experiences. And from the negative experiences, military sexual trauma is a, a recurring theme throughout their answers. So we have women who give them just one-liners in terms of their experiences to like very long, detailed paragraphs about their experiences. And in terms of positive experiences, women are ex- expressing feeling like they were a part of something that was good in terms of helping the host nation nationals, like the children there in Iraq and Afghanistan, and also that they performed well and represented military women well overall with their male cohorts. It sounds like that's going to be a very rich data set for you, and I'm looking forward to hearing about the results in the future. So I really want to thank you for this information and for being willing to speak with us. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Dr. Nikki Wooten discuss gender differences in substance use one year before deployment of service members on In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, professor and dean of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu.